If you're turning with me in your Bible, we're going to start in John 16. Is this, is my mic ringing? Check. No? Just me. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, gotcha. If you're turning with me in your Bibles, I'm going to start in John 16. I'm going to give you a little bit of the, uh, of the Christmas message that, that we didn't get to last week. But uh, Today I want to talk to you about nothing. And I want to talk to you about snowmen, kings, and stress. Nothing, snowmen, kings, and stress. See my little snowman over here. You'll see why he's there in a minute. Yesterday while I was preparing the message, I was thinking, man, I wish I had one of those inflatable snowmen. I could do a great illustration with it. And I started texting and calling around to see if anybody had one. A couple people seemed almost insulted. I texted Nathan and asked him, he said, no, I don't have one of those. Texted back, why would I have one of those? Something like that. Like, dang. (laughs) Luckily, uh, Rachel's mom had one. So uh, we got the snowman, so you'll see what that's for in just a few minutes. We all feel stress, especially this time of year. A lot of stress comes out, well, mainly because you got a lot of family members you don't have to deal with all year that you have to see this time of year. That's part of it. Traveling and gifts and all the little Christmas parties and the different things that happen this time of year and the New Year's coming in and you're expected to make these resolutions and you know they're not going to last and you just it's just so much stress this time of year. Psychologists say that it's not this time of year that we're all just getting more and more stressed out and it's just this time of year since you're around more people than normal in Christmas parties and family gatherings and things like that that it just shows up more. But they've done all kinds of studies that say us as Americans, as a society, we're getting more and more stressed out. We have more stress than ever, more worry than ever, and we try to hide it. We just kind of go on autopilot and try to act like we're okay. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are your kids? Fine. How's work? Fine. Knowing it's not, but we're just trying to... How's work? Fine. What happened when the policeman pulled you over? Fine. Oh. Where are y'all going to eat after church? Fine. Are you even listening to me? We just try to cover it up and go on autopilot when things aren't fine. Like when we're worried and stressed and and we've got fear and anxiety and we don't want to work it out. Um, have y'all seen Frozen 2? Well, maybe my, my favorite character on there is the snowman, Olaf. Right? And, and Olaf sings a song on the new Frozen 2. And in his song, it says, this will all make sense when I'm older. Right? He's got a couple of lines in the song. Uh, I'll have all the answers when I'm older. When you're older, everything makes sense. That's not true. The song's a lie. Because there were some things that didn't make sense when I was younger, and I kind of thought that, yeah, when I get older, that'll all make sense. It still don't make sense. I got mostly gray hairs, and it still don't make sense to me. So that's not true. It doesn't just all happen to make sense when you get older. Sorry to bring that up. But have you ever thought that? Have you ever felt like that? Like things are just going crazy or you're stressed out or you're worried or you don't. Like I don't even understand why people are acting like that. Well, it'll all make sense later. Well, maybe it won't. Or you say it's fine when it's not fine. 
one day it'll make sense, but maybe it won't. Maybe it'll never make sense. And if you don't learn how to deal with it, to deal with stress, it'll deal with you. If you don't learn how to deal with it in a healthy way, it will become your master. You will become a slave to it. So how do you have joy? How do you have peace that was promised to us in Scripture, and the peace that Jesus promised, that, that we can have joy? We have that light inside of us. The joy that the angel talked about when Jesus came to earth. Joy that doesn't depend on circumstances. See, if you can't figure out how to tap into real joy, then a lot of life will be miserable. Because it's not always going to be perfect circumstances. Things aren't always going to go your way. You're going to experience things and walk through hard times and experience loss. But you can have joy. 40% of Americans say that they're dealing with more stress than they did five years ago. And that number is going up 10% every year. So you do the math. Americans are getting more and more stressed out. And before long, we'll all be just all stressed out. The crazy thing is technology has increased a lot. It's crazy the technology that we have now compared to even just a few years ago. Even like when I was a teenager, that's not that long ago. Right? I mean, technology is... It, things are so much easier, right? I, I had to wire up something at my house this past week. It was a 240. I'm not an electrician. Guess what? I watched YouTube for about 10 minutes and wired it up. Back in the day, I'd have to call an electrician to come do it. Like technology has made things a lot easier, so you would think it would cause less stress. Nope. Things are easier, but we're more stressed, or as the psychologists say, distracted. There's a lack of focus that we're stressed out and distracted and ADD. One in five. Americans say that they are experiencing physical manifestations of stress. They can't sleep, anxiety, depression, rapid heart rate. And there are studies that show 60% of sicknesses and disease comes from stress and worry. That's crazy. So today, I'm going to tell you, we started out talking about the stress part. The number one cause of stress. You ready? You need to know what's causing stress if you ever want to make it better. The number one cause of stress, people. <laughs> Relationships. It's people. That's the number one cause. I heard this um, story about a man that was shopping with his two-year-old son, and the store was crazy, busy for holidays and stuff, and he's pushing the buggy around, and the, the kid's just freaking out, screaming, hollering, pitching a fit, dumping drink out on the floor, and the man's just super calm. And this lady was telling how she saw it, and she watched this kid just, freaking out, reached up and pinched the dad's arm and dumping out a drink. And she said, the man was just so calm, didn't lose his temper, didn't scream or anything. He just said, calm down, Albert. Don't lose it, Albert. Don't freak out in this store. 
don't embarrass our family in front of all these good people. And he's just talking in this nice, quiet voice. Calm down, Albert. The lady came up and said, Sir, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt this special moment for you talking to your son, but I just wanted to tell you, you know, the guys I've been around, they don't have that much patience. They don't have that much self-control to not freak out. The way that you're speaking to your son, Albert, here so calmly, I am impressed. The man said, my son's name's not Albert. My son's Ben. I'm Albert. (laughs) Calm down, Albert. Don't freak out, Albert. Don't embarrass us. Let's look at three promises that Jesus gave us in John 16, 33. Three promises. We're supposed to stand on the promises found in the Word of God. So here's three promises found in this one verse. Jesus promises us three things. Verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Yay! In Jesus, in Christ, we can have peace. That's the first one. Second one. In the world ye shall have tribulation or trouble. Yay, that's the second one. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. Standing on that word that we're going to have problems and trouble. Tribulation, trials. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There's a third one. So it's two great promises that we love. We love the fact that Jesus promised we can have peace. And we love the fact that he said, I've overcome the world. Anything you ever come up against, I've already beat it. Including sin, death, hell, the grave. I beat it all. We love that promise. But in this world, you'll have tribulation. Saying you're going to run into stuff. You will have trouble. And let me say that peace, real peace, the peace that Jesus offers, is not ignoring reality. They're not just acting like nothing's going on, nothing bad's happening. If your house is on fire, you don't stand out in the front of your house and say, it's not on fire, it's not on fire, it's not on fire. And when you open your eyes, it's going to be gone because it was on fire. So peace is not just ignoring reality of what's really going on. You will have trouble, but I already beat it. Jesus said, I've, I've already come up against whatever you will come up against, and I beat it. And now you have an invitation to live your life in me, to be found in Christ. And I already won. You will have pain. There will be physical pain in life. You'll have mental pain and emotional pain. You'll get your heart broken. You'll experience death and loss. You'll experience some failure. And it's okay. It's two things I know. One, you will have pain. And two, it'll change you. Pain will change you. But you choose how it will change you. You'll get bitter or better. You'll get stronger or weaker. You'll get... You choose how the pain that life throws at you will change you. Will you learn from it? Will you get positive or negative? Will you learn to find life or death in the situation? Will you get more generous or will you become stingy and hold everything in? You choose how pain will change you. Will I give and serve and love and sacrifice to be in relationship with people and I try to be a hearer of the word and then bad things happen to me? Why? We don't do these things so bad stuff won't happen. We do these things so we will have strength when the bad things happen. You, see, you don't serve God and serve humanity so that nothing bad will happen to you. You do those things so that you will be strong. When bad things happen to you, you'll make it through. You'll have a community. You'll have relationships. You'll have what you need to get through. It's like training for a fight. You don't train and work out so that you won't have to fight. 
you're training and working out so that you can win the fight. You see, if you don't train and work out, then you're going to lose the fight. It, the fight's coming. Bad stuff will happen. Jesus said, it, it, tribulation's coming. It's a promise. The Bible tells us that rain falls on the just and the unjust. The fight's coming. Will you win or lose? Will you train, give and serve and love and, and learn to put everything through the filter of Christ? We work out not to avoid the fight. We work out to win the fight. I'll give you a one-year challenge. Since we're almost in January, it's a good time for challenges and New Year's resolutions and stuff. I've given you all this challenge before. Very few have stepped up and taken the challenge. But it comes with a money-back guarantee. If you give one year, you give, make a commitment to give of your time, talents, and treasures to God. To serving people and find a ministry where you can connect and fit in and serve and give and love and walk in purpose and give of your money and give of your time and give of the things that God's talent, given you the talent to do. Give a year. 10% or more of your time, your money, your talent. Now, you come to me next year, 2021. And tell me that you're in a better spot, mentally, physically, spiritually, that your life's in a worse place than it was before you committed to give, to give your life, to serve people, to, to walk in purpose. I'll give you back all the money that you gave in the offering. I'll give you back. I'll pay you for your time that you spent. It's a money-back guarantee. Nathan will pay you. Just calculate it all up and see him. 2021. You just tell him it wasn't, I didn't have 2020 vision in 2020. So I want my money back. All right. Why would I say that? Because I've seen it work in my life. I've never given to God, whether I'm talking about money or I'm talking about my time or my talents or I've never made sacrifices for God that. He hadn't given me back more than I sacrificed. It may not have been instant. It's like planting seed. But as I look back over my life, I don't regret the times that I've given of myself. To love people or to minister to people or to help with a cause. or I don't regret it. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34, 19. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Hallelujah. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. God will deliver you out of them all. That word afflictions is a Hebrew word for an Assyrian form of torture. Where they would tie you to a pole and stack rocks on you one by one until it finally crushed you to death. Doesn't that sound fun? Sometimes they would take days and just come back every couple hours and put another rock on you. Another rock on you. Another rock on you. That's what that word came from. A form of torture. You ever felt like that? I can't handle one more thing. I swear, if one more thing gets put on me, I'm dead. I'm, it's going to kill me. A straw that broke the camel's back. I understand it's just a straw, but enough's enough. One more straw on me, I, I'm about to snap. I'm going to lose it. You ever been there? Ever been at the end of your rope, stressed out? 
Many are the afflictions or the tortures of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Does that mean he gets me out of everything? No. It means he is with you in everything. He doesn't get you out of every bad situation. He doesn't take you away from the things that you're stressed out about or the things that you're afraid of, but he's in it with you. Well, how does that help? Imagine if my son Sky is scared because there's a kidnapper breaking in his window to kidnap him and hurt him, and there's, he's afraid of the dark, and he's got fear, and I come and stand in the room. His father is with him. It's the power of presence. He's not scared anymore. He's not afraid. But what if he can't see me or he doesn't know I'm there? He's still scared. Fear has the power. He'll panic. He'll stress out. He'll worry. He won't sleep. He will be afraid. Even if I'm hiding under his bed. I'm in there. And I'll protect him. Because I said I would be with him and I'm with him. But if he doesn't know I'm with him, then he will still experience fear. So what I'm trying to tell you is not that he will deliver you out of every situation, but that your father is in every situation with you. Knowing that is a new level of trust. It takes away the fear. Because dad's with me. He's with you. So bad stuff will happen. But you can have joy. You can have peace. Not one day when the bad stuff gets over, I can have some joy. No. It's yours. You can have it now. You can have joy. You can have peace. The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, that means if you don't have joy, then you're weak. You're spiritually weak. You're a weak Christian if you don't have the joy of the Lord. Joy is a choice. Joy is a sacrifice. Luke 2.10 We were going to read the whole Christmas story here in Luke, but we may not get to it. But I want to read you verse 10 where Jesus was coming. And this is where we got the greatest gift ever when God gave us Jesus. And 210, the angel. And the angel said unto them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to some men. It doesn't say some men. Privileged men shall be to all men. Sorry, ladies. Just kidding. Mankind. It shall be to all people. Huh. It must have been a different version I memorized. (laughs) My mistake. To all people. (laughs) Jesus brings us the gift of joy. The angel was telling him about it before he was even born. Joy to the world. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. The kingdom of God is not bread or meat, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if we call ourselves kingdom people, we're living in the kingdom. We should have joy. Joy is ours. In this season of crazy and gatherings and presents, and it should be a joyous season for us. We should have joy. And yeah, there's going to be things when family gets together and that 
people come together. Yeah, there's always going to be things, but you can have joy. This season can be hard to find joy sometimes. It's hard to find your peace. The problem is that we confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is based on the external. Happiness is based on what happens out here, what happens to me. Then when something bad happens, my happiness is gone. I lose my happiness. It's based only on external. But joy or strength, it comes from the inside. Joy has to be something that comes from inside here. Comes from God or the Christ that's inside of you. I call this the snowman syndrome. Everything's good. Everything's great. Happy. But then when things get hot, (laughs) you start to melt. You were great. But then the season changed. This is different than it was then. Things were great then, and now they're not great now. Ah, I'm melting. This is happiness. This is snowman syndrome. As long as things are good, here's you. Yay! Things are good. Right, and you wake up in the morning, and I heard a great message at church yesterday, and now here it is Monday morning, and you wake up and you're, yay, things are going to be good. I got joy today. And you say to yourself, and you know it was yourself because you recognize your voice and you're wearing your underwear. You say to yourself, self, today's going to be a good day. Right, and, and you watch a little motivational video, and, and you say a prayer, and then you're powerful. And you don't sin and you don't mess up and you don't get tired and you feel like you've just mounted up with wings like an eagle and, and you're not overwhelmed in this day and things are good and you say, it is a good day and I don't need anything except to pee. I do need to pee. So then you get out of your bed and something happens. Wait, the day's not so good. Well, I forgot. I, now I have to go into work. And I, my coffee, I'm out of coffee? What? We don't have any creamer? Oh, oh, God. And you start. You know what happened? The snowman was relying on an external power source. He was relying on something out here. To be good, not something in here, down deep down inside. I thought he would rise back up a little faster than that. <laughs> Old fella. That's Olaf's grandpa. Joy has to be something that comes from the inside. It doesn't have to do with circumstances. Because in life, things are going to hit you. Unexpected things are going to happen. People are going to hurt you. And if you're looking to something out here, if you're looking to a person to get your joy or your happiness from, you're just setting yourself up for a fall. Joy comes from God. Joy comes from inside. Paul was good at it. Paul was really good at tapping into joy no matter what was going on out here. And Paul was our instructor to the church. He wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Sixteen times in four chapters... He tells us and he talks about rejoicing or being joyful. To rejoice is to have joy again, to do it again. Rejoice or being joyful. Heard a story about the um, two two little boys, an older brother and a younger brother that went to stay with their granny. 
few days before Christmas, and uh, Granny came to tuck them in, and she took them in the spare bedroom and said, okay, you two boys are going to be sleeping in here, made sure they had what they needed, and then she said, now, I'll be straight across the hall. If y'all need anything, you can come get me. You know my bedroom's right across the hall. Now, you boys don't forget to say your prayers. And she closed the door. Older brother, he said his prayers. It got done. He said, oh, your turn to pray. Younger brother said, Dear Jesus, I want you to please give me a train set and please give me a bicycle. And his brother said, Hey, why are you screaming? God's not deaf. He said, Yeah, but Granny is. Why? Because he was looking for something out here. Somebody to give him what he wanted or what he felt like he needed for happiness. How many times do we act like that? We feel like something out here needs to happen so that we can be happy. If I can just get that raise, or man, if I could just get her to date me, or if I could just, we, we feel like we need something out here to make us happy. If I can just get me a good truck, if I, whatever it is. Paul said in Philippians 4.10, look what he said. In Philippians, there were four different places in Philippians. We won't turn to all of them. Uh, where Paul was talking about being joyful and this joy and rejoicing. Philippians 4.10, he says, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again sowing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, you know where Paul was when he was writing this? In prison, in one of the worst prisons around, wrongfully accused, waiting on his death sentence, waiting on trial, thrown down in the lowest solitary confinement, which was the sewer, where the sewer ran through, and he would be tied to a rope to a guard so that he wouldn't drown when the sewer got too deep. Pretty bad situation. Called the Mamertine Prison. Just... Keep that in mind. Wherever I am, while he was writing this, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. King James says, through Christ, which strengthens me. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. See, there's always beauty in the mess. And you miss it if you're focused on the mess. Steve, my spiritual grandpa, talked to me about looking for the precious in the pain. Because anytime there's great pain, there's precious. And anytime there's great mess, there's beauty. Paul said, I found the secret to happiness. Wherever I am, even in a bad prison, what was the secret? Through Christ. Putting everything through Christ like a filter. Bad breaks, abuse, pain, sorrow, hurt. That If I can put it through Christ and trust that He can use it. What's bigger than God? The poor have it. The rich need it. If you eat it, you'll die. Nothing. What can separate us from 
God's love. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing that can separate us from his love. And if we have his love, remember love gives. The first response to love is to give. If we have his love, then we have access to hope and joy and peace. Romans 8.31 tells us that. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? It doesn't matter. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. And none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Paul said there's no excuses, circumstances, sin, abuse, pain. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Why? Because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. How did He embrace us? The perfect mess. That's the Christmas story. That Jesus would come as a baby. That Jesus would come and step into humanity. We talked about empathy last week. That Jesus would come and step into humanity. A God would become a man, but not even a powerful man. A king, a, a baby. And rely on humans. That's the Christmas story. In life, perfection is rare. But you can catch a glimpse of it. You can see perfection from time to time. You can have the perfect game. A pitcher can pitch a no-hitter. It doesn't happen very often, but... You can see glimpses of perfection. You can get the perfect score on a test. Somehow people can even get 110 on stuff, and I thought 100 was the most you can get. Apparently not. I gave 110%. Well, okay, that's weird. I thought 100 was the most. How'd you do that? But you can get perfection. A glimpse of it on a test. You can see the perfect girl you can see glimpses of perfection the golden boy right and it quickly fades into real life or normal life which is messy it gets dirty and messy but it's the mess and the imperfections that make us appreciate when it's perfect. See, it's the storm and the cold that make us really appreciate the sun. And there are some things in life that are perfect and a mess at the same time. I thought about when my oldest son, Malachi, was born. I was a kid. Now looking back, I was 19. But I was a kid. And I was having a kid. And me and Jesse were there at the hospital and I I knew what to expect, but I didn't, you know, I had never had a kid before, never I mean, 
back in the day, back in the old days, the dad waited out in the hallway and passed out cigars. Then, you know, time went on and they welcomed him into the sidelines. He could stand beside and, you know, hold his wife's hand or whatever. Well, now they want you all down in the end zone. Like you're ready to catch the touchdown pass or something. You want to cut it? What am I paying you for? Right? And they get you down there and you're seeing things you never wanted to see. And you, like, I'd be honest with you, I was scared. Jesse, this is a side of you I've never seen before. Like, it's just the whole thing is. So, let me get back on track here. All right, so they welcome you down into the end zone, right? Okay, now, Malachi starts coming out. It was the messiest, nastiest, most perfect thing I've ever seen. I felt so proud in the mess. He was perfect and he was messy and it was hard and there was pain and there was blood and she bit me. Thanks for sitting in on the therapy. <laughs> but it was perfect. See, there was beauty right in the middle of the mess. Paul said, in my weakness, his strength is perfected. Not in spite of my weakness. In my weakness. In the mess. He's proud. We were going to read Luke 2, verse 1. I was going to read you the Christmas story, but we've gone long, so I won't read it to you. You know the story. Mary and Joseph were getting taxed, and there was a... They were supposed to get Obamacare, and they didn't, and they had to go pay a fee or something. So they traveled across, and she was pregnant, and there was no hotel, motel, holiday inn. That dude told them no. There's no room. There's nowhere for you guys to stay. And there's so many questions about when Jesus, when God came as a human, why that way? Why Bethlehem? Bethlehem was this tiny little hole in the wall. Nathaniel says, uh, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Like that was the attitude towards Bethlehem. It was a shepherd town. Shepherds and by the way, shepherds were the first ones that got to see him. They're the ones the angels came to. Shepherds, they were considered unclean. They weren't even allowed to go in the church. These were uneducated men that couldn't do anything else with lay out in the fields with the sheep. They were the kind of guys like, watch your wallet. Here comes the shepherds. Shepherds? Why shepherds? Why Bethlehem? Why birth? It's messy. You're helpless. Why not show up as an adult in a big city, right? Why not show up in a palace as an adult and say, I'm the king. I'm here. You're going to show up as a baby, helpless baby. Remember the three wise men that showed up bringing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh? These were gifts that were fit for a king, I read a lot of like commentaries on this and, and stuff, and I know we've talked about the gifts and different aspects of the gifts and the embalming fluid and the gold and stuff, but these were gifts you would only give to a king, especially the gold. Back then, gold would have been very rare and super valuable, even more so than it is today, and it would only be given to a king. And a lot of the scholars believe that those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that's what funded Jesus' ministry, that it was so valuable that that's why him and all his boys were able to just walk around for three years and not have to have jobs. But whether that was true or not, we know that they brought gifts to a king. King baby, king boy. 
You know, he was a toddler when, when they actually got there. But this is our king. Our king looks different than other kings. You want to play, play a game real quick? Name that king. Name that king. So I'm going to say something, and you yell out the king that it makes you think of. Ready? This is a game, so yell it out. Some of these are going to be hard. I'll start out with some easy ones, but I made them get harder and harder. So if you think of Simba, okay. All right, y'all got it. So what if you think of a big gorilla? All right. If you think of a whopper. All right. Some of y'all are a lot better at this than others. Some of y'all are much quicker. If you think of scary novels. Not bad. If you think of an important interview. Oh, Larry King. (laughs) What about basketball? Oh, LeBron King James. <laughs> this will be a hard one. This is an old one. Tennis. Yep. <laughs> what about blues? Hey, jazz. Nat King Cole. <laughs> Rap. Kanye. <laughs> Self-pronounced king. Well, now he says that Jesus is king, so love him or hate him, he's our brother. <laughs> king of rock. But our king is a king like no other. He's the king of kings. Romans tells us that he's the Lord of lords, that he's the Lord that's above every other Lord. He's a king that's more powerful than any other king. He's dripping. He's got the sauce. But a baby in, in Bethlehem, shepherds, like the son of a carpenter, your son of a carpenter. But that was an insult. <laughs> if it was me, I would have shown up in a big city, made the announcement to kings, shown up with a six pack, and my disciples looking like the cast of 300 kicked in the temple door said hey Augustus there's a new sheriff in town that's not what Jesus did he's just not as creative as me no he had a better plan God chose birth God chose a baby John 1 tells us that Jesus was the light that came to light every man the light that would come inside of us And the darkness couldn't even comprehend it or understand it. That's what John 1 says. That Jesus came to light every man. That he's the light or the life. And darkness can't even understand it. You know, you can turn off all the lights in here and this whole room can be filled with darkness. And you can bring in one tiny little candle. And it can light up a room. You see, our king is joy. Our king is hope. Our king is peace and love. He is life and light. He is glory. Remember the scripture, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The fact that Jesus or the Christ is inside of you, that's the hope of glory. That 
joy inside of you coming out, no matter the circumstances, that's the hope that God will receive glory. John 1.14 says, I love how the Message Bible words it. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. See, the light changes everything. And if you put him at the center, you can see. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you put the light at the center, not your job, not your kids or your wife or even ministry. Jesus, the light. It only takes a small light. So how will you light the world? With hope, joy, and peace. That's what our king looks like. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. And God, I pray for healing for any hurts and wounds that are represented. God, help us to let go of stress and worry and to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to shine the light of hope and joy and love. Thank you for all that you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.